Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. You might notice I'm in a little bit different location today. I'm actually at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, my first ever Super Bowl. So it's been an incredible experience so far. Jay, you had this same experience a couple of years ago in Los Angeles when the Bengals were in the in the big game. So it's you've been here before too. There's tons going on here in Las Vegas. We'll we'll get to the Super Bowl here in a little bit, but we want to go over a couple newsy items here from from Bengals land before we get too deep in the Super Bowl talk, Jay. And I think. The top one, the outstanding kind of coaching news that we're still waiting for is who's going to be the Bengals quarterback coach. Obviously, Dan Pitcher was promoted from that role into offensive coordinator. Now, we thought it was going to be Brad Cragthorpe, who was the assistant quarterback coach, who would be promoted. He still might be. He still very well be the, be the favorite. But there are other candidates out there, reportedly, and there's been no decision made, which, given how long this process has kind of taken, it makes you think maybe they, they would go in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, it's it's curious that because it, it seemed like it was going to be a I don't even know if you want to say slam dunk, but it, it felt like all signs were pointing to Brad Cragthorpe. And even, you know, we talked to Zach about him um, before the season ended and he just he said how impressed he's been with him that he just constantly puts more and more on his plate. And he he rises to the challenge every single time. Um, he it, it, I don't know. You, you have to do your due, due diligence and you got to you have to look around. Um, but this this. This franchise has such a history of just succession plans and promoting people from within and what Cragthorpe has been. It just seems like everything's pointing to him. I don't know if they're trying to avoid doing anything Super Bowl week to take away from that or what it is. But, um, you know, obviously they have they there was a report they interviewed um, John Van Dam from Tampa Bay, tight ends coach. Um, I know Zach as a former quarterback, Dan Pitcher as a former quarterback. It, they're, they've got connections all around the league, obviously, and they're, they're looking for the, the best one that they can find. So it's it, it the timing just kind of strikes – not the timing, but the length of the search. It does surprise me. I, I fully expected that it would be sometime this week that they would, would name who this is. And, um, you know, maybe it will. Maybe right when we finish yeah. this, they'll say it's Brad. Yeah. But as of now, we're still waiting to find out. Yeah, that'll be our luck. It'll be five minutes after we're done recording that they'll announce who it is. But- yes. Yeah, I, I don't know a ton about Jen Van Dam, admittedly. I know he was, after Dave Canales, who was the Buccaneers offensive coordinator, got the Panthers head coaching job, John Van Dam was, did interview for the Buccaneers offensive coordinator job. He, he was not selected, but they at least thought of him enough, thought enough of him to give him an interview, which is notable, I think. And then, the, the, you know, the Bengals are going to have to interview a minority candidate, too, for this, that we've talked about this before, that the Rooney, role, Rooney rule goes down to the quarterback coach level now. So maybe they already have and it hasn't been reported or maybe that'll come out this week. But that that is something they'll have to do to comply with the NFL rules. So that's something we'll be watching for from Bengals land this week. Um, This week at the NFL Honors on Thursday, that'll be taking place here in Las Vegas. We've also got some Bengals news, Jay. Willie Anderson might get into the Hall of Fame. He's he's already he already knows, right, if he if he's in the Hall of Fame. We we think so. It'll it'll be made public. (laughs) Uh, and then Ted Karras is the is the Bengals nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year award, which that award will be announced as well on Thursday. So a lot of big news coming up on Thursday, obviously, to see if those two Bengals and obviously and Willie, a storied Bengal, kind of get that hardware that a lot of people feel that they deserve. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, even if he doesn't get in where he places. I think well, there's what, 12 finalists. Um, usually the mm-hmm. top five get in. How close is he to that top five? I think last year he was a finalist. He might have been 11th in the voting overall. So 
a bit of a hill to climb, but he is the only tackle at that offensive tackle. That's a finalist this year. Um, Assumption is he knows at some point they have to go film those little door knock uh, things. And I don't know how far in advance they do that. They could be doing those today. That would seem like a tight turnaround because I know they like to air those. Um, But yeah, uh, fingers crossed. He deserves it. He's a great guy. I think all Bengals fans would like to see that happen. Um, But if it doesn't, that's the thing to look for is how, how high does he climb uh, in that pecking order um, between six and 12? Mm -hmm. And I, and on Ted Garris too. I mean, I I don't, we don't know if he's going to win or not, but, Obviously a great guy. I think everyone in Cincinnati knows that. I was at a wedding in Rhode Island last year and I had people people found out what I did for a job and found out I was, you know, associated with the Bengals. And in Rhode Island, someone came up to me and told me a Ted Karras story about what a great guy he was and how they <laughs> met him. And it's so it's it's universal. It's across the land. So we'll we'll see how he does in that in that race on Thursday as well. Um our last kind of Bengals note here before we get into the Super Bowl talk is just kind of a, a little bit of a season wrap up and more of like a division wrap up. We just want to go through the AFC North and just rank these teams based on a couple different categories, offense, defense, quarterback, stuff like that. And this was one of the most competitive divisions in the NFL and it has been for a long time. I, I don't see that changing next year, Jay. I really don't. I think all these teams are in a good position to compete again next year. So I think this will be like an instructive exercise to see how we kind of sort these teams, at least heading into free agency in the draft. Yeah, and it's it's hard a little bit because, you know, it's kind of cliche, but coaches say it all the time. You know, it's never going to be this team again. There's going to be changes. Yep. There's going to be new faces. So you don't know what these teams are going to do in the draft. You don't know what they're going to do with their free agents or what they're going to do and get outside free agents. But just as they are constructed now and then just kind of use an educated guess, like, okay, I know T's a free agent, but I'm expecting him back. So that's going to help right. out where I, where I put the Bengals offense, that type of thing. Um, so it is, I was, I did a radio interview last week. Um, I can't remember which I did a couple, I can't remember which station it was. And they asked about next year. And I was like, I think you have to look at, at Baltimore as the favorite to win the division, but I'm going to be really interested to see when those odds come out mm-hmm. that n- maybe the Bengals are the favorite. It sounds crazy because they finished last this year, but like you said, it was as competitive as a division's ever been. All four teams above 500. Um, a lot to like about these teams coming back. And and the question marks I mentioned too, it, the, the division, Baltimore's got a new defensive coordinator. Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh all have brand new offensive coordinators. So a lot of changes coming to the AFC North this year. So much coordinator change all over the NFL. Yes. It's unbelievable how short these 10 years are now, whether people just moving on or people getting head coaching jobs. It's crazy how often getting fired. <laughs> yeah. And all of those, all of those options, the turnover is insane. Let's start with coaching Jay. How I think that this one was pretty tough for me, honestly. I, I think there's a lot of good coaching staffs and I took this as coaching staff, maybe not yeah. just the head coach, the entire staff. AFC North is very impressive. I'll just go through my four. I, I put the Ravens at number one. I, you know, John Harbaugh's won a Super Bowl. I think he's really good at in-game scenarios, in-game management, and stuff like that. I, 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 I think you have to almost def- default put him number one, and kind of the same for Mike Tomlin at number two because he's also won a Super Bowl. Steelers have not, you know, they've really struggled on offense these last few years. Maybe that'll change with Arthur Smith taking over as offensive coordinator, and they can kind of get back to where they've been on that side of the ball. But I would put them second. I'd put the Bengals third. I, I think Zach Zach Taylor did a really, really good job after Joe Burrow went down, getting getting uh, an offense that Jake Browning could work in. Obviously, not having Brian Callahan is gonna is gonna be a concern. And I put the Browns last, but it's that's really nothing against the Browns. I think Kevin Stefanski did an excellent job too. He was my pick for coach of the year, so I, I'm not too down on him either. 
I, I think these are all really impressive staff. So it was very hard for me to get my order. Yeah, I was just going to give you grief about, wait a minute, you just put the Browns last and Kevin Stefanski is going to win Coach of the Year Thursday night. And I don't know that, but I think there's a really good chance it can be between him and D'Amico yeah. Ryans. And who knows, maybe it is D'Amico Ryans just because they've taken that program, that team from the ashes to what they mm-hmm. did. But I'm, I, I, mine's a little different. I, I That's where I struggled. I was like Bengals and Browns right there side by side. And I just I had to give the nudge. To Stefanski, because I do think there's a good chance he wins coach of the year. Zach has been to a Super Bowl, whereas Stefanski hasn't. I actually, I had the Ravens first. I put Pittsburgh last. Uh, And I know Tomlin's never had a losing season, but they've not done anything in the playoffs. I mean, when was the last time they won a playoff game? It's it's been a really long time. I think maybe the one of the the longest droughts um, in the league. Yeah. And I don't know. And it just even even though they never have a losing season, it seems like it's like that's what they play for. Where right. so many times they are on the brink and then they just have this this knack of of playing really well in December and January and kind of getting to that that 500 mark. And yeah. they just never do anything in the playoffs. Um, I'm not sold on Arthur Smith as the offense coordinator. I think they they needed someone a little more exciting to come in there and do something with that offense so um yeah I, I i went baltimore cleveland cincinnati pittsburgh i can totally understand that i my thing with arthur smith is like i don't know he was a good offensive coordinator with the titans i, I wonder if mm-hmm. now that he has the stress of being a head coach and maybe all those pressures of dealing with the media which he never seemed to want to do mm-hmm. maybe all that that's been removed he could maybe focus on just play calling and get a get a good grasp with this offense but I see where you're coming from on Tomlin too, and it's, it, I maybe I'm being swayed by how he managed the Antonio Brown situation because we never heard a, a peep out of Antonio Brown for mm-hmm. years, and then we've seen what's happened since. Maybe I'm giving him too much respect for that, but I, I get where you're coming from. That, yeah, the Steelers, it, it's like their their ceiling is a nine win season and a, and a first round playoff loss. So what does that really get you? I, mm-hmm. I I totally get that. Let's do quarterback next, Jay. How did you how did you rank these four quarterbacks? I. I think there's a pretty clear delineation between the top two and the bottom two, but I'm curious to see how you have those split up. Yeah, I put Burrow ahead of Lamar, um, just based on the well, number one. Who would you feel best about starting if you were going into a playoff game? And Lamar's not—he's just not done it in the in the postseason. They both have had injury history, um, so that that kind of weighs in there. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it's – I don't know if it's recency. Maybe it's geography bias, you know, covering Burrow and watching every snap of his career. But I just I, – I give him the slight edge over Lamar. Um, and you're right. Then it was like, you know, a big jump down. To, I, yeah. I put I put Deshaun third and I put question mark, question mark, question mark fourth because yeah. I don't know what the Steelers <laughs> are going to do at that yeah. at that position. Or, you know, are they going to go back to Pickett? Or, I mean, it's just – it's that's something – Job one for Arthur Smith to figure out what they're yes. going to do there. Um, so, yeah, that's the way I went. Yeah. Maybe Ryan Tannehill can go to Pittsburgh. It's, he's worked with <laughs> Arthur Smith before. Yes. Yeah, I, I had I had the Steelers last. I had the Browns third. I mean, Deshaun Watson could be a question mark, too. <laughs> that could yes. be that Maybe that should be Joe Flacco. I had I had Burrow number one as well by just the slightest of margins. And we just talked about it with Stefanski. You know, Lamar's going to obviously win MVP, and here we are putting him second in his own division. But you're right. I mean, I think we've seen the highs from from Burrow that 
you know, once he gets healthy and once he gets back into the rhythm of this offense, there are only a few guys that can play like him. Is Lamar one of them? Yes. But Lamar's lows, I think, have been much lower than Burrow's. And I think their ceilings have been around the same area. So I, I would give that to Burrow for now. And I, I know that might sound like, her, you know, heretical saying that with Lamar on the mm-hmm. precipice of a second MVP award. But I think what Burrow has shown when he's been on the field has just been too impressive, I think, to, to list him any lower than first. Um, what about these offenses is, is in general, Jay? I, I had the exact same ranking as my quarterback rankings, honestly. I had Bengals number one, Ravens number two. Browns number three and Steelers number four. I I think that the Bengals weapons put them over the edge in combination with Burrow, right? I mean, the the Ravens just don't have those type of weapons. Zay Flowers is impressive. Mark Andrews is impressive, but they don't have the depth. I think that the Bengals do or the high end talent that the Bengals do the Browns. Maybe they could add more talent this off season, but right now it's basically Amari Cooper and not much else. Nick Chubb is, is coming back from a devastating injury. He might get cut. Steelers, we've we've all seen their offense. We don't need to go into it. We know why they should be last. So that that's how I have mine for offenses: Bengals, Ravens, Browns, Steelers. Um, I, I mine were a little different. I this might surprise you. I took a statistical approach to this. Um, <laughs> so I I looked at points per game, points per drive, DVOA, and then passing DVOA, rushing DVOA, giveaways, and pressure percentage allowed. Just those are you know really big stats. I value. I maybe could have done yards per attempt on there, but um, those are the ones I went with. And then I took where they ranked in each of those categories and added them up. Obviously, low score wins. Baltimore was fourth in points per game, sixth in points per drive, fourth in DVOA, fifth in passing DVOA, first in rushing DVOA, fourth in pressure percentage allowed. I mean, and then they were twelfth in, in turnovers. Mm. Their total came to 36. Uh, the Bengals were second at 95. The Bengals, the only thing the Bengals were top 10 in was turnovers, which was second. They just did not give the ball away this year. Mm. So, yeah, some things are going to change. And and you look at you look at that Baltimore offense, and they've got a lot of questions. I mean, Dobbins, OBJ, Gus Edwards, Kevin Zeitler, the former Bengal. They've got a lot of free agents on the offside yeah. offensive side of that ball. Um, does does Zay Flowers bounce back from his disaster in the AFC Championship game? There's a lot of questions there, yeah. but I still, I, despite Todd Monken's game plan in that AFC Championship game, I still <laughs> really like that Baltimore offense. Um, and I just, I think the Bengals have a way to go at the tight end position. They've got a way to go at the running game. I'm not saying they can't do it, but I think, I think there's a gap there between the Ravens and the Bengals. And then I, I went, I went Pittsburgh third. Um, and I went Cleveland fourth. Cle- all those rankings I, I gave you, Cleveland was top 10 and one, and that mm-hmm. was points per game. And that's just because their defense scored so many points. Right. They were 23rd <laughs> in points per drive. They were 28th in DVOA. They were 32nd in turnovers. They, no one gave it away more than they did. Um, even with the best O-line coach in the league, they were 22nd in pressure percentage allowed. So I just, I don't know, I'm not sold on that offense. If Nick Chubb comes back, then obviously that that's a big boost for that team. Yeah. But I I've got them last going into next season. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to talk about the Cleveland offensive line too, because theoretically they should get some of their injured offensive linemen back mm. next year who they were depleted, but they lost Bill Callahan. So it's yeah. kind of a net neutral, right? I, I don't know that they're going to be any better. What about defense, Jay? Did you, did you take the same statistical approach on the defensive side of the ball for your rankings? I did. And it was much closer. Um, but again, Baltimore was a runaway leader <laughs> First in points per game, first in points per drive, first in DVOA, 
overall, first in passing DVOA, seventh in rushing DVOA. I added sacks in there. They were first. This is weird. They, they were first in sacks, mm-hmm. but they were 21st in pressure percentage allowed. So they yeah. were allowing pressure, but that it, I guess it kind of makes sense. It, Lamar doesn't always get sacked when he gets pressured. He finds a way to get out of it. Um, and Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. This is defense, so never mind. Yeah, yeah. They, they got a lot of pressure on teams. Um, and they didn't get a lot of pressure, but they found ways to get sacks. Yes. Um, and then turnovers, they were 20th. The, this, the Bengals and the Steelers were 29th in turnovers, and you know Cleveland was first. Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland was close for me, but I've, I've got Baltimore number one defense. I've got Cleveland second, um, Pittsburgh third, and then the, the Bengals fourth. They just uh, – they they were not good in any of these categories that I listed. Um, they're the best. They were they were actually fourth in uh, rushing DVOA um, defensively, but everything else was bottom half of the league. And uh, even turnovers, they were really good this year in turnover margin. But it was just because they didn't give the ball away. They didn't force a lot of turnovers. Them and Pittsburgh were tied at 29th there. So um, yeah, one of the one of the rare instances where I'd rank this team last in the division. I had them last as well. They're just too many explosive plays all season long. We all, we all saw it. I, we have hopes, I think, that this defense can turn things around next year, but I had them fourth. I had the Steelers third as well. A little bit different at the top. I put the Browns at number one, and I know the Ravens led you know, nearly every single metric defensively, but they did lose Mike McDonald to the Seahawks as their head coach. They promoted Zach Orr, who's a first-time defensive coordinator. He's, he's only 31 years old, which is you know, these coaches are getting younger and younger. They're younger than me now. I think he, he could be good. We don't know. We have no idea. He's gotten rave reviews all throughout his coaching career. He was a, a player not that long ago. So I think for him to ascend this quickly means he must be pretty, you know, an intelligent guy. Defensive performance is just not sticky year to year. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, the Ravens got so much production out of kind of nondescript, nondescript guys. Arthur Millette we talked about a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. You know, the, these cornerbacks that filled in like Rocky Sin, Jadavion Clowney having a career year, Kyle Van Noy playing. I just don't know if that's going to repeat next year. Whereas the Browns have that talent base kind of built in already where I don't they're not going to be losing a ton of free agents. They weren't relying on a bunch of street free agents who had the best year of their career. They have a lot of talented guys at a lot of critical positions. And they have Jim Schwartz, who is, yes. for my money, still one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. So. For that reason, I think just pure regression, I would push the Ravens down to two and put the Baltimore or put yeah Ravens down to two, put Browns at number one. But I think it is close. Um, special teams. This is going to be our last one. I want the Ravens number one. I mean, how could you not? John Harbaugh is a former special teams coach. They're top five in DVOA and special teams every single year. They were third this past year. Um, easily had the best punter of this group. Jordan Stout was the best punter of these four punters. The Bengals punter Brad Robbins was dead last in Puntalytics metric, and Presley Harvin, the Steelers punter, was third to last in their metrics. Um, Bengals, I put fourth, or I put second. They ranked fourth in DVOA this year. I think Darren Simmons does an excellent job. I, I think the Bengals special teams is typically, aside from punting, not something you have to worry about. Browns third, Steelers fourth. Um, I just I don't have a lot of reasoning for that, but that's, I, I know Presley Harvin, their punter, the Steelers punter, did not have a good year, so I'm putting it, I'm putting them fourth. I, uh, I'm right there. I've got the same exact order because I win against my numbers. If, if, if you do the adding up the rankings, I did a field goal percentage, kick return, punt return average, kick return allowed, punt return allowed, gross punting, and net punting. Were the, I should have done DVOA for special teams, but I didn't. I think the Bengals were pretty high. Um, yeah, they were special. Yep. Yeah, so they were right there. Um, 
my numbers came out with the Bengals at 91, uh, should have been first, and the, and the Ravens 109. But the questions in the, the punting game um, just really is what kind of swayed me to, to go back with, with Baltimore um, as the number one team. Um, I believe Duvernay is a free agent too, so who knows if they get him back. He's a hell of, hell of a returner um, and a big weapon. But um, just, just I don't know. I even with Harbaugh's uh, background as special teams, it's just Tucker is right there with Evan McPherson. Um, I just the, the Bengals one big area that really helped that number below is they rank second in kickoff returns allowed. Well, how important is that? Because nobody returns kickoffs anymore. Anyhow, you 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 need twenty kick returns to be qualified among a lead leader. Um, they they've used that that number for years. There were two kick returners yeah, this year two. that had 20. Keyshawn Nixon and I forget the other one. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember who the other one was either. Yeah. But he was right there. He was like at 22. He barely qualified. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that. so for third, um, I did go Cleveland, and then I went, I went fourth on Pittsburgh. They were actually – Pittsburgh was dead last in net, net punting average. I thought that would have been the Bengals with Brad Robbins' struggles. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but Pittsburgh was even worse. So that's how we see these teams like heading into the offseason. Obviously, things will change. There, there's so much turnover that's going to happen. All these teams have a ton of free agents that they have to make decisions on. Some of these teams, including the Bengals, could use the franchise tag. And then we've got the draft, too, where every team will add seven yeah. to ten players. And these teams will look a lot different. I I do think, you know, I do think some of these teams are, are kind of almost set in stone. Like Cleveland, I'm not sure how much change they're going to do. I'm not sure how much different the Bengals roster will look. I think that the Steelers roster could look a bit different because they're going to, they might be changing quarterbacks, but I think for the, for the most part, these, these teams are kind of where they're going to be. Obviously there will be changes, but I think like the base talent level for all these teams is kind of set in stone already. Yeah. The, the one thing to kind of keep in mind with how they will look different, like Pittsburgh doesn't have really any free, they got Quan Alexander, no. but they don't have a lot of free agents. They have to worry about, but they're 14 million under the cap. So they've got to make some changes somewhere. Cleveland's 20 million under the cap. Baltimore's got 6 million to play with. There's the Bengals sitting there with 61 million to play with. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that can be a big help. And the Bengals have more draft picks this year. I believe they've got nine coming as opposed to seven in years past. So um, a lot of unknowns out there, but there's, there's ways to quantify the unknowns. And, and I think the Bengals are in a good spot on both of those. Let's get into the Super Bowl. We, we might as well, right? It's the, what else are we going <laughs> to talk about this week? This this is, you know, we've seen this Super Bowl before, obviously, just a few years ago. But, I, I mean, I, I'm incredibly intrigued by this game. You've got the the greatest NFL player in the world in Patrick Mahomes versus an excellent Kyle Shanahan offense and an amazing 49ers defense. I think there's a lot of good matchups and a, and a lot of good angles on this game. You know, one thing we, I think we, we kind of discussed, Jay, was how these teams are kind of similar or different to the Bengals, right? And I think that, the Chiefs, I think, are, are very interesting to kind of compare to the Bengals because both teams ask a ton of their quarterback, right? I think the Chiefs arguably ask even more from Mahomes than the Bengals do from Burrow because Burrow has much, much better weapons than than Mahomes had at least this past season. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of interesting that they're they're really – you saw it when Burrow got hurt, at least in the first few games, that – this, this Bengals offense runs through him. It's everything built around what he can do. And the Chiefs offense is obviously the same. I think the Chiefs offense is interesting, though, comparing it to the Bengals because they run through a tight end. It's, <laughs> yes. it's, such, a di- it's such a different kind of the game than the Bengals are playing. It's, it's an entirely different offense that they're running. 
their interior offensive line, I think, is also much stronger than the Bengals, which I think really helps Mahomes avoid that pressure like right into his lap. And he and it allows him to, he can move throughout the pocket much more freely. Whereas I feel like the Bengals interior offensive line, they don't have Trey Smith. They don't have a Creed Humphrey. They don't have a Joe Tui. That area is not is not quite as strong. And then I think you look at the Chiefs defense. That that the Chiefs defense is what you would want the Bengals defense to become. Mm-hmm. Young cornerbacks, young secondary players that step up and grow. You've got a guy like George Karloftis. Hopefully, Miles Murphy could become the Bengals version of George Karloftis, a first-round pick who grows and develops and becomes this contributor in his second or third year on a Super Bowl caliber roster. I think there are a lot of interesting comparisons be- between those two teams. And obviously, Jay, like the Bengals know the Chiefs at this point better than almost anybody, right? So it's, mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to kind of watch how the Chiefs tackle the, this game on Sunday. I think were Karloftis and Murphy both taken with the same draft pick? I mean, they're both late first-round picks. I think that's that's a great comparison. I think the the difference there is the Bengals would really like to have a Chris Jones type in the middle, Mm -hmm. a a, a guy that can, you know, a three-tech that can really push the pocket. And and he's not just a three-tech. He he lines up outside sometimes too. Um, Another area where I think they're similar is – and we didn't – you kind of knew it in the past, but you really found it out this year uh, where you just never count out the Bengals or the Chiefs. They they can come yeah. from behind. Um, it's it's Andy Reid as much as it is Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. I think a lot of that falls on Burrow with the Bengals. Um, and really you can kind of throw the Niners in there too with looking at the way they came back in the mm-hmm. in both the divisional game against Green Bay and then the, the NFC Championship game, although there was yeah. that stat where Kyle Shanahan had a horrible record when trailing at going into the yeah. fourth quarter, but they've they've gotten over that hump. And um, an interesting, and I wrote about it, uh, they're all running, I don't know if it was last week or earlier this yeah. week, but um, you know, the, the 49ers can become just the third team in the, in the Super Bowl era to win three playoff games in which they trailed by seven points or more. Uh, wow. the, one of the teams to do it, the most recent to do it, was the 2019 Chiefs. Um, and they did it. On, obviously, they came from 10 down in the fourth quarter to beat the wow. Niners in the Super Bowl. Um, and they were 24 down in that uh, wild card, in that yeah. division game that uh, to Houston. Game, right? yeah. 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 And then they fell behind by 10 to the Titans in the championship game. So that was just an That's incredible right. run of them coming back. Um, so I, I just think that – both both teams have shown an ability to do that, and I think the Bengals have shown an ability to do that. For years, they were kind of the same way, where if they didn't have a lead going into the fourth quarter, they were not yeah. very good, and you don't feel that way anymore. That's true. Yeah, that's a really good point. It, uh, Brian Blue has actually wrote an article about that last night from from here from Vegas about these 49ers and how they keep coming back, and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's such in contrast to what they had done during the regular season and throughout Shanahan's entire tenure. So that's, that's a really good point. I think the 49ers also – one of the few teams in the NFL with more offensive weapons than the Bengals. <laughs> like you can't say that about many teams, but man, they are just so impressive from McCaffrey to Debo to Ayuk, even guys like Juwan Jennings, who when he gets a chance is an incredible blocker and makes big plays to, to George Kittle. Even got guys like Elijah Mitchell comes in and scores touchdowns, mm-hmm. you know, backed up running back. They are, they're absolutely loaded. Um, I think that all three of these teams, the Chiefs, 49ers and Bengals, all have defensive coordinators who are hoping for either a shot or another shot at a head coaching job, right? Steve Spagnuolo has been very open that he wants another chance. Steve Wilkes was here last night talking about that. The 49ers defensive coordinator was talking about that he would like to get uh, another head coaching job and talking about how these opportunities for black coaches around the league are working. He's part of the the Brian Flores lawsuits that's suing the NFL about racial discrimination. He had interviews this year, but he did not get a job. He, arguably should have gotten the Panthers job last year before they hired Frank yes. Reich. 
Um, and then obviously we know Luana Rumo wants to get a head coaching job as well. He has not had the shot that, that Wilkes or uh, Spagnuolo have had yet. So I think those three guys, I mean, maybe some, maybe something to watch next year. Um, also on coaching, Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, I think are universally considered maybe the two best active head coaches. Yeah. I wonder how high Zach Taylor could climb in the head coach rankings next year. Maybe that, maybe that will be me writing that article and I'll make that decision mm-hmm. myself. But I do wonder like, you know, after watching Zach Taylor's work with Jake Browning over this past season and the Bengals getting almost into the playoffs with a backup quarterback, if the if the Bengals and Burrow and, and everything kind of works as as we're expecting in 2024, how high could Zach Taylor go in, in the kind of the acclaim of the league in terms of head coach rankings? I don't know. I don't know that he'll ever be to a Reed and Shanahan level, at least without winning multiple Super Bowls, probably. But I, I do wonder how high he could climb. Yeah, I don't think he can climb that high, and and not that he doesn't deserve it or isn't capable of deserving it, but he's he's not he doesn't have that that wild creativity that people or he doesn't lean on it. I should say maybe he has it, mm-hmm. but they, he likes to drill down to what they do best and, and keep mm-hmm. going back to that, and and people kind of fall in love with all the the motions and crazy play calls and and all that, and they they just view it. I, I think people are, unless there's a repeat and Burrow has an injury and Jake Browning comes in again, and they do go yeah. to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think people are just going to view him as being not carried by Burrow, but to some extent, yes, that, that it, yeah. a lot of his success is tied to Joe Burrow. And I just – I don't know. I mean, the year they went to the Super Bowl, un, totally unexpected, and he didn't get a single vote for Coach of the Year. Yeah. So it's just – I don't know. I, I, I think he can be in this league for a long time. I think he can win a lot of games, maybe a title, but I just – I don't know he's ever going to – kind of get that respect where where he's viewed among the the upper upper echelon of head coaches in yeah. the league yeah let's do our super bowl bets jay we're, do, we're going all out we're doing a bet of palooza we usually just do two <laughs> but it's the super bowl we gotta we gotta do five right we gotta go all out so we would both have five bets for this game uh do, do you want to recap how we did last week i i have no idea what i, I have no idea what we picked i think then i picked the lions to, to win that came close yeah, you picked the Lions. Uh, we both took the Lions. Um, so we, well, with, with the points, with the seven points. Yes. Uh, yes. You picked them um, yeah. the same as I did. I, it was different on the, um, on, on the, uh, what, I, I've got me marked wrong here, but I won. It says Chiefs plus two, and I have it in red. And wait a minute, they won the game. So oh, that's a win. I have, I'm actually on the positive side now. I was. <laughs> I don't know where I'm sorry. I got tripped up here. I've got my color coded spreadsheet. I'm like, why did I mark that red? They actually won the game. Are you saying Jay has too many stats right now? Possibly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Too many something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) The, uh, you had Ravens 28, 21 in that game. So I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I'm confused now because (laughs) I know what I did. I, I picked Ravens too because I was all over the Ravens in that game, and I think I I was gonna put Chiefs plus two in the Super Bowl, and I, I put I typed that oh. in there, and I was like, oh wait a minute, that's the that's last week's, and I switched yeah. it to the Super Bowl sheet, so I was right. I was one and one, you were one and one. I didn't do even picks. I went fourteen on on the Ravens and oh, six yeah. on the Lions, so I actually lost eight units last week. So coming into the Super Bowl, we are very tight. Um, my proposal to do a, a bet of Palooza and do five each was not because I have a lot of ground to make up. I'm actually minus 14 for the year. You're minus 20. I mean, this is yeah, you're, this you're is helping as me tight <laughs> as it like, gets. <laughs> so if if we're gonna do five, um, I I've, I've got 
the five bets, and I'm just going to go ten on each one. I don't know if you want to okay. mix yours up. Just let me know. No, I'll, do the, same. I'll do the same. Okay. I'll do the same thing. Okay. All right. I'll start with my first one. Isaiah Pacheco over 65 and a half Love rushing it. yards. 49ers are allowing 5.6 yards per carry in the playoffs. They only gave up 4.1 in the regular season. They're having a lot of trouble, lot of trouble stopping the run. I think Pacheco. I think they'll lean on Pacheco in this game. He's looked great. I know he's a little banged up, but yeah. I think it's his last game of the season. He'll go all out. I, lo- I love that over 65 and a half. Yeah, I love it too, but I couldn't do it just because the the injury does concern me. You know, one tweak and that can affect everything. And um, taking yeah. an over prop on a guy that's banged up, I just I don't know. I as much as I love it and tempted by it, I couldn't do it. And now I'm going to contradict myself because I'm going to go <laughs> Debo over 78 and a half um, scrimmage yards. I okay. just think. I think he's going to be a massive weapon in this game, and you know he found a way to play through it against the Lions. And um, you know his is a little different; it's in the shoulder area, whereas Pacheco's is a foot and a toe. Um, I just, I, I think Debo's got an outside shot to to be the MVP in this game, uh, especially with the way people kind of discount Brock Purdy. Maybe he yeah. throws a couple picks, um, but I, I think Debo's in for a massive game, and seventy-eight and a half just seems way low. I like that one. Debo maybe got the loudest reception at opening night last night, which was kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm going to go with another receiver, but I'm going to go on the, on the Chiefs side. I can't believe I'm about to say these words, but I'm going to go with the over 19.5 receiving yards on Marquez Valdez. I cannot believe I'm, I'm putting money on MVS, but I'm not, I think if you can identify one weakness on this 49ers defense, it is their outside corner, Ambry Thomas. And I, I don't know if MVS is going to be lined up against him every snap or if he'll spend most of his time against Charvarius Ward. If he's against Ward, I, I don't have much uh, much hopes for his receiving total. If he's against Ambry Thomas, Ambry Thomas has been beaten many, many times this season. MVS, 19.5 yards, I mean, that's one catch. Like, that that easily yeah. could happen for him, so I, I'll take that one. You said 19 and a half? 19 and a half, yep. Yeah. This is like a de facto parlay for you because if Pacheco gets going, that's how MVS gets one play action pass and they can get him behind yeah. the defense. And yeah, you're right. That one one reception could be 19 and a half. Um, okay, so this is a this is a weird one, but I heard it on the Dan Patrick show today, and I was like, oh my god, they they took our bet. They <laughs> in the Bengals press box, we always do a fun little thing where you know we pick a. It's kind of like this. It's like we do a bunch of props. All the beat writers make their picks for the game. And and I came up with one in, in week 18 because it was such a weird game. And it was the combined jersey numbers of all touchdown scorers. And everybody's like, oh, my God. I mean, you got to put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. Well, they've got it for the Super Bowl, which, of course, they, they always do. It was It's stunningly low. Mm-hmm. It is 121 and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Travis Kelsey catches two touchdowns, it's over. He catches yeah, one, right. and you, you, and I just think there's going to be a lot of scoring. Yeah, maybe it's Pacheco ten or Ayuk eleven, or you know McCaffrey's only twenty three. But I just, I think that is bound to go over. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that my second one. Okay, I, I like that. That's smart. I am going to go for my third one with the Chiefs to score first. Um, hmm. They scored on their first drive against Baltimore. They scored on their first drive against the Dolphins in the previous round. Week 18 did not matter for them, so I'm not counting that. But they scored in their first drive against the Bengals, too. It's three games in a row. I like to bet on trends. I I think that they could get out to a hot start. I mean, I think, is there any better opening script head coach or offensive play caller than Andy Reid? I mean, he's so good on those opening drives where he knows exactly what plays he wants to call. I I think the Chiefs will get out to an early lead, and I I like them scoring first, so I'm going to go with that. 
you know, I, I, another prop I saw that amazed me, and you can you can maybe play off of that bet for you. It's the the decision of the team that wins the coin toss, and mm-hmm. both are minus three thousand to defer, and both are plus nine hundred to take the ball. I could see Kansas wow. City taking the ball. That, I mean, that is yeah. great value at plus nine hundred. I know everybody defers now, but we've seen teams do it in the in the playoffs, even recently, in yeah. multiple teams take the ball first and try to set a tone. Um, yeah. I, I went. I, I it wouldn't surprise me to see Kansas City. Hopefully, it would be a like ten minute drive because I'm going to go first quarter under seven and a half points for for okay. both teams. I just I feel like you get in the Super Bowl, and I know it's an offensive league now, and and and, and the, both these teams are really good at, at scripted plays and opening drives. It just feels like there's a feeling out process, and and I think both teams are going to lean into the run early, and the clock's just going to run, and I, I could see this being a really, a really low scoring first quarter, um, and, and you could minus seven and a or seven and a half was minus one hundred five, nine and a half was minus one twenty five. It's like well, no one's going for two, so if it's yeah. going to be under seven, it's going to if it's going to be under nine, it's going to be under seven too. So uh, that that's where I'm going to go there with, and I hate betting unders on anything, but. That's my third pick. I'm right there with you because I'm going to take the under for the entire game, which is oh. it's it's 47 and a half is, is the over under. I'm going to go under. I just think these defenses are really, really good. You know, I think these defensive coordinators, Spagnuolo and Wilkes have done an excellent job. There's so much talent on the defensive side of the ball. I know that's it's like really hard to say when it's a Patrick Mahomes game versus the 49ers offense who led the league in EPA per play and every other offensive metric that I'm saying it's going to be a low scoring game. But I just think these defenses have been so impressive that I, that I think it, it end, it end, will end up as a low-scoring game. So I think 47 and a half, I'm, it's going to go, it's going to be very close to that, but I'm going to go under. It's like we planned this. Like you're, you're leading right into my bets here. So, <laughs> or, and vice versa. Yeah, um, really. I'm, I'm going Mahomes over 0.5 interceptions. Um, okay. He's currently gone four games in a row without a pick. That is tied for the second longest streak of his career. 49ers led the league this year with 22 interceptions. I just I think he's bound to throw one. I just can't see him having a a, a clean sheet against this defense. Uh, he might throw three touchdowns and be MVP and all that, but I, I think he's yeah. one's going to get away whether it bounces off someone's hands, which the Chiefs do a lot, by the way. Um, so I just I, I love that pick there with Mahomes over half an interception. Yeah, and the 49ers get their hands on a lot of balls too. So like mm-hmm. if we see one popped up in the air or something, I could see that. Um, okay, for my last one, I'm just going to go with the Chiefs money line. I hmm. I just I'll go ahead and make my pick too. I might as well. I'm going to go Chiefs 23, 49ers 21. Um, I picked against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in last year's Super Bowl against the Eagles. That did not work out. <laughs> I'm kind of done picking against Patrick Mahomes at this point. I just I really am. I think the 49ers are an excellent team. I think Brock Purdy gets a lot of undue criticism. I I, I Obviously, he works inside an excellent offense, but he extends plays and, and is, is a real playmaker that guys like Jimmy Garoppolo were not in that offense. So I think he does add a lot to that team. And would I be surprised if, if this score is flipped? I wouldn't. But Patrick Mahomes just finds a way. We've seen it against the Bengals. We've seen it against other teams that it doesn't seem to matter what's around him a lot of years that he just finds a way. And I, that's, I think that's how to go again this year. So I'm going to say Chiefs 23, 49ers 21 in a very close game. Yeah, I, I you know you can't read much into opening night, media night, whatever it is, but just watching those, I mean, 
obviously Patrick Mahomes has been here many times before, and he just was so calm and relaxed. And Purdy looked a little tense and tight up there, and it, it could that can carry over to the game. It's you, you think you're tense for media night. Wait till wait till you get into yeah. the first quarter of a Super Bowl game. So I do like that pick, but I, I really could see this game going either way. So yeah. um, I I didn't want to I didn't want to take a side on this. I'm gonna go with a, a I I can't remember where I saw this, but I was stunned that. Well, I know I looked it up, but I the the, the where it what initially led me to look it up was somewhere I couldn't find it. It deals with the coin toss again, and mm-hmm. the team that wins the coin toss has lost the game eight of the last nine years. It was eight in a row until last year. The Chiefs finally wow. broke that streak last year. It seems crazy, and maybe that does play into the the whole deferring is not the way to go because you know the crazy stat about if you score first in the Super Bowl, the chances of yeah. winning the game are so high. So um doesn't matter. I'm not going to pick who wins the coin toss. I'm just going to say whoever does win the coin toss loses the game. Um, and that one's at minus 105, so that's almost an even bet, too. My okay. pick, I'm going to go Kansas City 31, 49ers 28. I, I, I agree these defenses are really good, but it just feels like this is going to get into one of those fourth quarters where one team scores. The other two. They just match each other. They're going back and forth. I'm even going to go so far as to predict overtime. I just I, oh, I love okay. the I, I love the idea of it. I, I wrote a story about uh, five records that I think can fall in the Super Bowl, and it's hard yeah. to break Super Bowl records because there's been 57 of them. Everything that can happen in a Super Bowl has basically happened. Um, I think this will be the longest Super Bowl in in history because obviously there was one overtime before, but the the Patriots went right down and scored like in four minutes. I think this one and, that, and that now you've got the possible for the possibility of two possessions. Yeah. So um, I I like that. I don't know that field goal is going to – I think it, it, gets, <laughs> it gets into overtime. A touchdown will probably win it, but I'm going to go 31-28 in overtime Chiefs. So you're projecting a, a late night for me to return to my hotel on Sunday night is what you're saying. It's going to be a very late Sunday night. You're, you're all, it's like when I was in L.A. covering the Bengals. You're on the West Coast. There's, there's no late uh, nights. There's no late not, nights in Vegas anyhow. It's just all – I'm not even planning to go to bed, honestly. My flight's at like 7 a.m. I'm not even going to go to sleep. I'm just going to stay up all night. Oh, my gosh. I think it was interesting what you said, though, about Patrick Mahomes and and being calm and collected. I don't know if you saw the the tweet from Peter Schrager. I thought was great that the ultimate statement on Patrick Mahomes is that he already has a Super Bowl week routine (laughs) that he can stick to. It's like he's he's been here. He knows what to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, Purdy, I don't know. I, I I, I, I was at his podium last night. I could not hear a word he was saying. He is the, yeah. one of the quietest talkers I've yeah. ever heard. In combination with the 49ers fans were just absolutely insane last night. It's, I could not catch a word he was saying. But, yeah, Mahomes is great. Mahomes, I, I, he seems very comfortable with everybody and every question and talking about his dad bod and everything. Mm-hmm. He's He was really fun to talk to. And, and you talk about his routine. I mean, the, the Super Bowls he's been to in the past were, were I mean, Two of the three were normal. The, the 19 was yeah. a normal season, and last year was a normal season. Now 2020, COVID, that was a little different. But but he's been through this, and he's been through the 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 opening night madness and and all of that. And um and there's I think there's a comfort level too. We saw it, the Rams won in their building, the Buccaneers won in their building. I, I'd be interested to see how many teams played a Super Bowl in a stadium where they play every year. Because the, mm-hmm. the the Chiefs have never lost in Vegas. They're 4-0 in Vegas at that right. stadium. It's weird now because they're in the home locker room as opposed to the visiting right. locker room. But still, I think there's there's a little bit of an advantage there, too, just being familiar with that building and going there every year. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. And yeah, they talked about that last night, actually, that there was a little bit of a familiarity with being here and, and how that might help them. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think that's all for today, Jay. Do you have anything else before we sign off here on this kind of Super Bowl week edition of the PFN? Thing no, I'll, I'll let you get going to the casino. Let's let's get it over with. <laughs> yeah, I'll go, I'll go about to go lose my shirt. So everyone, thanks for listening today. We'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, everyone enjoy the Super Bowl. This should be a great game. You know, I, I think that everyone I'm sure who's listening to this will be watching the game. So enjoy that. Uh, please like, subscribe, review all the good stuff. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.